So it looks like uh, the mail is in. I haven't checked uh, the mail uh, at my place recently. But uh, there was a day, believe it or not, when you would look forward to going to the mailbox. Sure, there were bills, various invoices, but cards, letters maybe from a loved one that you hadn't seen for a while, maybe your favorite magazine subscription, and even, every couple of weeks, a paycheck. So we would often look forward. And when this red flag was up, that was a good sign. Can't wait to see what's in the mail. But things have changed, haven't they? So if we take a look inside today, here's what we will find, if I can get it all out. Poor postman has to stuff it all in there. So here we go. This is an average day for some of us in terms of what we might get in the mail. And most of it is asking for our money, right? And there are a number of very, very good causes that come across the way and ones that we'd like to support. But after a while, it gets a little bit old, doesn't it? Over and over again. Sometimes you get two, two mailings in one day from the same place, hoping that you'll respond to at least one of them. So this is a pretty hearty take here um, from the mailbox in terms of people that would like to have some sort of donation from me and from each of you. Now, with that in mind, I think it's kind of unfair for the church to pile on and ask for more, especially when so many of you have given so freely, as we just sung, freely. But that's kind of what we want to get at this morning in terms of our giving, our responsibility, or maybe more accurately, our opportunity to share in generosity. The church has always had a difficult time addressing the issue of financial stewardship. But Capital One has no problem asking you what's in your wallet, right? I wouldn't do that to any of you. That's too, uh, too invasive, too personal. So why bother at all? Why even address the issue of financial stewardship? It's so uncomfortable, so much so that many pastors try to avoid it at all costs. I'm kind of in that same camp. In fact, I thought about calling in sick today. But uh, I knew it was too late to find a replacement, so I figured I would stand up and do what was asked of me. Most of us would rather, rather ignore the topic of financial stewardship altogether, because after all, it really kind of rankles people. What business is it of yours, what's in my wallet, right? That's your personal business. But since I raised the question, Perhaps I'll share with you and reveal at least what's in my wallet. You've already seen some of what's in my wallet. I think I have a dollar or two left. But like many of you, I think the most, well, not the most important thing necessarily, but we all, we all carry our license with us, form of identification. Hope we never get pulled over, but we've got this if we need it. As I sort of sto stroll through what I have in here, I've got a debit card. I've got a credit card. I've got my... Bueller's Advantage card, I'm sure you all have one of those, right? Um, got my medical, dental, AAA, obligatory family photo. This one's quite a few years old, I think. Uh, oh, by the way, this young lady over here is my daughter, Shanna. She was uh, a member of this church as well, and we're delighted to have her back in, 
sharing in worship with us this morning. She's pictured here as well. But um, I'm interested that uh, I, I noticed I also have a picture that you probably can't see from where you are, but it's a photo or rendering of Jesus when he was a young man. And I keep it there to sort of remind me not so much what's in my wallet, but who's in my wallet. And so that these cards on this side become less important. Even my identification becomes less important. But what really matters is who's, who's in the center? Who guides and directs my decision? Who, who is the one to whom I answer? So I thought about that question, what's in your wallet? Maybe the more appropriate question is, who's in your wallet? Or if we go a little bit deeper, who's in your heart? Because regardless of how much or how little we have, all that really matters is what's in your heart in the form of love, in the form of compassion. And regardless of wealth, regardless of how much you have, if you give generously, you give according to God's will. For example, the Old Testament reading that Cindy read for us this morning from Deuteronomy. If one of our brothers or sisters should become poor, we shall not harden our heart or shut our hand against them, but we shall open our hand to him and lend him sufficient for his or her need, whatever that need might be. I think we would all agree that's fair enough, right? And this church has a sterling record of giving. In my short time back, I have seen it over and over again. And how about this from Proverbs? Perhaps initially a little counterintuitive, but actually quite reasonable. When one gives freely, that person grows all the richer. But when one withholds what he should give, that person only suffers want. So I think what we're talking a little bit about here is satisfaction. What do you get out of giving? What's in your heart? What do you choose to share? I think we've all experienced that at one time or another. And as we approach this holy and sacred season, we call it the joy of giving. Giving generously to the mission of the church, and let me make this very clear, is in no means, in no way, an obligation. But it is an opportunity. An opportunity for all of us to show our love and to share our love. So whether we happen to be rich or poor, what really matters is what we read from the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous, ready to share. Thus storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. As I mentioned, I've been truly touched by the generosity, the extraordinary generosity of this church. In fact, a couple of examples I want to share that just a couple of you are aware of. Recently, one of our members said, you know, we've got to have something for the kids. We've got to have something. If we expect the young people to come to this church, we've got to have something for them. So one of our very generous members said, hey, I, <clears throat> I was thinking about this book, uh, a first Bible story. 
And then this one, 365 Bible stories, one for every day of the year. And this person, without any prompting, generously said, you know, I'd like to give these to the church. I'd like to buy a quantity and make them available to the church. What a wonderful gesture. No prompting, no interrogation. What are you giving? Are you doing your fair share? Give from the heart as you are directed, not by me, but by the Spirit. So in a short period of time, we will have a quantity of these two books to give to our young people, whether they stay or whether they're coming just to visit. I think that's a wonderful blessing, and we're very thankful for that generosity. And I could cite you countless other examples of people who have stepped up and given freely, and many of which I'm sure I'm not even aware of. But these books that have been given, as an example, will serve as an investment that will pay dividends for many, many years to come. And because of it, I believe, Oak Chapel will continue to be filled with the light of Christ and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So you already know this, that there actually is joy, true joy, in giving, fulfillment in generosity, completeness in selflessness. Some of us know what it's like to be in need. Others know what it is to have plenty. Some of us have experienced both in our lives at one time or another. But here's the most important part of it. The secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in wealth, we can do all this through him who gives us strength. He is the one. He is the source of our, of our strength, of our, of our wealth, of who we really are. So forget about what's in your wallet. Just think about what's in your heart. Unleash that spirit of generosity within, which so many, so many of you have done. Let God be your guide. And that's basically it. That is our one and only message about stewardship, at least for this year. We'll take another look in 2020 to see where we are and to see where we'd like to be. No pledge cards, nothing to sign. We trust in God and we trust in you. You loved him and your love for him and his holy church will lift us up and carry us forward. That is the essence of our faith. So from my perspective, I don't need anything signed. I trust in him, and I trust in you. We are not anchored in finance, but rather in faith. So as we look forward to the very exciting, coming, sacred, holy season and the year ahead, I want to give you a moment to just ponder the possibilities to think about what this church can be, to think about what this church can do through your gracious love and generosity. And once we've done that, prepare for your blessing that will transform all of us. Let us pray. Father God, we faithfully acknowledge your call to consider how we might support your church and its mission. Guide us, direct us, inspire us 
Help us to be obedient to your call, that we might share our wealth and lift up others. This we pray in your most holy name. Amen.